Uh, man, we are thrilled to have you guys here in person or online. So glad that you guys are here. If you are a guy, if you're a dude here in the room or watching online, I want to personally invite every single one of you men here into our men's warrior weekend. This is not your typical men's retreat where you're, you know, it's like one lecture after the next and you're bored out of your mind for the whole time. Like, no, this is going to be a fun uh, just a, basically it's Friday afternoon, Friday 5 p.m., so it's after work until Saturday 2 p.m. Uh, we're going to give away a free grill. There's going to be zip lining, fishing, great food. Anybody here likes good food? I love some good food. I've heard like we're going to have steak or something. So um, we're going to engage with one another, get into God's Word a little bit, and um, it's only $45, only $45 for all of that. It includes your stay, it includes your, your meals, all of the fun activities. And it's just a great way to get away and, and just relax and just hang out with some guys. Uh, space is limited, so please sign up, lifepointfc.com, if uh, you're interested. So um, space is limited, so make sure you do that as soon as you can. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to First Chronicles 29, verse 11. First Chronicles 29, Verse 11. If you don't know where that is, go to the Old Testament. It's the 13th book. Okay, so you can start from the book of Genesis and you just go down the line. It's the 13th book. I want to really, really, really encourage you to do this. And I do that every week. It's one thing you say, like, okay, why do I have to pay attention? You know, why do I have to, you know, look at all these verses in my Bible when they're on the screen? Where, let me tell you the why. Okay. You will forget about 70 to 80% of what is said here this morning. But when you take notes, when you actually, you're actually engaged in the message, you're looking it up in your Bible, you're looking, you're going from one chapter to the next, all of a sudden it just changes things and it'll, it'll help you retain the information a little bit longer. All right, so I'm, I'm giving you a little bit of a heads up. So everybody, whether it's, if it's your phone, Old Testament, First Chronicles, I'm actually reading from the New Living Translation. So a lot of times you guys ask me, hey, where, what Bible do you use? Well, I use a lot of different translations because with our technology nowadays, you can look at like five, six different translations, and, and it's just incredible. So First um, Chronicles 29, verse 11 and the topic that, I, that we're going to cover today, if I can be honest with you, I believe it's one of, one of the, it's, it's, a, it's a passage of scripture that God gave me um, a couple of weeks ago. If you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. A couple of weeks ago, I was just going through something in my heart, um, some things that were kind of concerning to me. I was about to get a little bit of anxiety, and I just kind of, you know, it was just, like this pressure on me. It was just like heavy on me. And God gave me First Chronicles 29, verse 11 through 13th, I think. And I read those, those verses Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I felt like the anxiety and the worry and the concerns all of a sudden began to lift. And as I was thinking about what to bring you this week... It was very, very clear to me that um, God wanted me to talk about these verses and, and prepare a message for you on this. And right before, you know, we have Thanksgiving coming up. We have Christmas on our way. 
uh, so many things that we're going to be preoccupied with. And I, I really believe with all of my heart that this is the message that God has for all of us today. Let's bow for a word of prayer and get into it. Um, let's pray. Father God, I just, I ask you that you would help me to preach clearly, without fear, with boldness, and love. God, I pray that we, as your people, would receive the message in humility and obedience. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11. Here's what the Bible says. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Now, this is David. You remember King David? From the Old Testament, David and Goliath, we've, we've all heard that story, right? This is that same guy. King David is actually praying the way that Jesus would hundreds of years later teach his disciples to pray. So remember his Jesus' disciples when they come to him and they're like, Jesus, teacher, master, teach us to pray. Like, like we've seen, like you, you have this connection with our Heavenly Father and like, like you pray and things happen and you communicate to Him and it's like, it's different than the way we communicate and we just want to learn, like how do you do that? And remember what Jesus said? Jesus says to His disciples, if you want to learn to pray, this is how you pray. And He says, remember the Lord's Prayer? What does He say? Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. This is exactly what David, this is exactly how David is praying. Right off the bat, what David is doing is he's putting God in his proper place. He's putting God in a place of honor, a place of honor. Now, we don't do that when we pray because God needs us to put him in, a, in that place. We say those words and we put him in a place of honor because we need to hear it. We need to hear ourselves saying that. And listen to what David says. He says, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory. Look at verse 11. He says, everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your, what? Your kingdom. This is, so you're recognizing, you're putting him in his proper place of honor. You're putting yourself in the, in the right place. And he's saying, this is everything that we have, Lord. This is yours. This is your kingdom. And look, look at it. He says, we adore you as the one who is over all things. In that moment of anxiety and concerns, I said, I remember thinking, man, Lord, I want to pray like that. Lord, I want to say those words. And that's why I prayed this prayer two weeks ago, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because I was in a place where it's like, you know, have you ever been there? Like where you feel like the pressure of the world, like it just, you can barely breathe. I would wake up in the morning and I was just like, I just had anxiety and worry and concerns, you know, and there was, it's nothing like, nothing bad is going on necessarily. And I didn't even understand where that was coming from. And I started praying day after day after day. And I promise you by Thursday or Friday, the anxiety started lifting. All of a sudden, the worries and concerns, they, they shrunk. And so I kept praying this prayer. And then this last week, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to share? And he says, this is it. I've given you these verses, not just for you, but I've given them for you your flock for your people look at the next verse key verse for today he says wealth 
and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. What I want to share with you today is probably one of those issues, one of those core issues that has the potential to rob, to steal our joy from our heart, like the joy that we have in Christ is this, you know, as a pastor, I've been doing this for a little bit, and um, there's a, a lot of things that can, that can affect us, that can take us the, the, down the wrong path. Of all the issues of the heart, I can tell you there's probably one or two, okay? As a pastor, what I've learned from people, of all the issues that we deal with, there's one or two, two issues that have the potential to steal that joy that Christ provides to, to, to poison your heart. To all of a sudden just grab your heart and just kind of shake and, and just do, you know, just create chaos in your heart. And I believe that this today, the, the, what we're talking about, is one of those, those issues. I've been following Jesus for 27 years. This is one that I have personally struggled with. Okay? So I don't want you to feel like, like oh, pastor is preaching from this position of strength. No, no, no. I, I cannot tell you this is one of the hardest topics for me to talk on. Uh, because it has been misused so much in churches. And so if you're new to the church, if you're just checking us out for the first time, um, don't judge me so quickly. Get to know me a little, bit, a little bit better. This, I believe, with all of my heart, I believe this is one of those issues that if we... Let me put it this way. There are supernatural blessings. There are supernatural blessings from God that we will not experience unless we get this one issue worked out. I think that, I believe that there are things in our lives, there are supernatural blessings in our lives that, that God will not unlock in my life unless I get this one figured out. Unless I, I figure out what, like how to handle this. So let me kind of introduce the, the, the subject, the topic for today. How many of you, how many of you would say, Pastor Alex, I would love to be financially blessed. How many of you would say, raise your hand and you say, Pastor Alex, I would love to be financially free. Would you raise your hand like, all over the room? Like all of us would say like, yep, sign me up. Like I would love to be like, you know, Pastor, I'm, I'm honest. Like I'm not like stingy or anything, but our family could use a little bit more margin. I mean, like it would be great, you know, to be a little bit more generous. And, and so like, yeah, we would love to be a little bit more financially blessed. Now, how many of you would say, Pastor, you know, forget it. I, I don't care to be financially blessed. I, I want to be financially cursed. Anybody like that in the room? Anybody would say, I want to I wanna be like, bring on the debt. I want more debt. You know, like those credit cards, the higher the interest rates, the better. Anybody like that? Anybody who would step forward in faith and say, I want to be financially cursed. Nobody like that, right? Okay, that's what I thought. Now, listen to this. By statistics, watch this. Here's the truth. By statistics, the majority of you in this room, the majority of people listening or watching are under some form of financial stress. By statistics, the majority of us in this room, those of you who are watching, you're under some sort of financial pressure, some sort of financial stress. You have more debt than you want to admit. You, you don't feel like 
you're ever going to catch up. You, um, you don't feel like you'll ever make enough money for the kids, the family, retirement. By statistics, the majority of us are in, we're in that place. And you're like, Pastor, how do you know? Somebody talking to you? Who, who call you? You know, who's telling you about us, our situation? Well, nobody's called me. <laughs> I just know because I've been there. I know what it feels like to struggle. I know what it feels like to put God first with your finances. Uh, I remember when I, um, when I was a teenager uh, delivering pizzas, making $6 an hour, and I remember thinking, I wonder what it's going to be like to make $10 an hour. And I thought, man, when I get there, you know, like I have a right. Like if I can make it to $10 an hour, like, I mean, we were, I, I was putting so many door hangers on you know, just for the, for the pizza place, it was just a local business, and we, I mean, we were doing probably thousands of apartments, door hangers, and I remember thinking, one of these days, maybe, maybe, I'll, I'll make $10 an hour, I wonder what it would be like, and I remember years, a few years after that, I think I was a uh, junior in college, senior, something like that, I remember making $10 an hour, and I remember thinking, I wonder what it would be like to make $15 an hour, and I would daydream. I was a dish boy. I get up at 4.30 in the morning, get up early, and clean dishes for hours, and I'm make ten, making $10 an hour. I'm thinking, man, I just wonder what one day would look like if I could make a little bit more. You know, money is like that. The more you have, the more you want. The more you have, it's, in, it's intoxicating. All right? There's nothing wrong with money, but it just, and the more God has increased our finances, the more that we find ourselves spending and the more that we want. The more you have, the more you want. And my, one of my biggest, if I can be vulnerable with you guys, one of my biggest prayers before God came into the ministry was, uh, it was like, I've always wanted to help people. Like, I've always wanted to reach people. I've always wanted to just love on people. Like, the heart has always been there. But one of my deepest prayer before I got into ministry was this. Lord, would you provide a roof over my kid's head? Like, I just, Lord, I just, I don't care to make tons of money. I don't care to have it all, you know. I don't care to be wealthy. I just want to be able to provide for my kids. And maybe some of you here Maybe you have the same heart. Lord, I don't care to be rich. I don't care to make tons of I just want to be able to provide just the basic needs, Lord. I just want to be generous. I just want to. And if you are here today and you have the same sentiment, you have the same heart, here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to the message today. I want you to listen, like open up your ears to God's word. Open up your hearts. I believe with all of my heart, listen to me. If you listen and you obey God's teaching today, I promise you, you will be financially blessed. Now, let me explain. Let me explain, okay? Because this is a topic that is, it's, man, it is manipulated, and it's used the wrong way in so many churches. And so I've crafted the message very specifically, okay? I'm not saying that you're going to be rich. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you listen to God's word today and you obey it, you will be financially blessed. What do I mean by that? Well, it doesn't mean that you're, you're going to be wealthier. I mean, maybe God wants you to be rich, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, the truth is, we all know people who are wealthy, and they're, they're miserable. And we also know people who, by the world standards, they don't have much, but they're, they're blessed, right? That word blessed simply means happy. 
Like the, the root word of the word, like the word blessed is just happy. And I believe with all of my heart, if you listen to God's word today, if you obey God's word, you're going to be free from the affairs of the world. The things that sometimes choke us and Thanksgiving is coming, Christmas is coming. I mean, the, the world is coming after you, right? You've got to have this other thing. You've got to buy this other thing. We're never satisfied I mean, let me say this just as a side note real quick. Money does not necessarily make you a bad person. Sometimes that's taken out of context. Money, like it, it's, there's nothing wrong with you wanting to make a good living for your family and for yourself. Money just amplifies who you are. It's a megaphone. If you're stingy with $10, you're going to be stingy with $10 million, Okay. So money just, it's a megaphone. It amplifies everything. Now look at the verse. Wealth and honor come from you alone. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. And watch this. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Hang on that verse for a minute, okay? What, let's, let's say that phrase that's underlined. Let's say it together. Ready? One, two, three. At your discretion, people are made great. David is saying to the Lord, God, power and might are yours. They're in your hands. At your discretion, Lord, at your discretion, you increase my finances, you increase. My wealth, you increase. My influence. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Every time you get paid, it is a test. Okay? Every time, every single time you get paid, it is a test. Now, let me ask you, how many of you get paid uh, once a week? Would you raise your hand? Once a week? Twice, twice a month? Raise your hand. Okay? Like once, once a month, maybe commission. Any of you guys get paid commission? All right? Uh, any of you guys be like, man, Pastor, I'd just like to get paid. And if I could get paid, that would be good. All right? Okay. All right. Every time you get paid, it is a test. And you've got to answer questions. Here's the first one. Who am I going to thank for the income that God brought to me? Who am I going to thank for the income that God brought to me? You say, well, you know, nobody brought that income to me. Like, I've worked for it. Like, I've worked really hard. I, I get it. But if you're, if you're a Jesus follower, if you believe that God is the one that, who's your provider, then everything comes from him is what David is saying. Lord, my, my, my skills, my, my, you know, how, how my, my mind is sharp, my abilities, my energy, the breath that you give me, it comes from you. Every time you get paid, it is, it is a test. That's why David says the very next verse, verse 13, he says... God, it's you. We thank you. you. We praise your name. Everything comes from you. We're going to thank you. He says, verse 12, wealth and honor come from you. Power and might are in your hand. At your discretion, people are made great. You are the one who give the increase. So number one, number one, who are you going to thank with the income that God brings to you? Here's number two. Who am I going to trust to take care of me in the future? Every time you get paid, it's a test. I want you to see it as a test. 
And one of the questions that you will have to answer is, Lord, who am I going to trust to take care of me in the future? When you surrender your finances to God, what you're saying is, God, I am trusting you. I am trusting you. When Leah and I, when we set a portion of our income and we say, okay, this amount is going to go, we give some to missions, we give some to, to LifePoint, we give some to other things. I was invited to a banquet not long ago. We wrote a, what for us was a big check. Every time we do that, we're saying, God, we're putting you first. We are going to trust you with what's to come because none of us know what's ahead. None of us know the future. And so anytime you... You get paid, you have to answer that question. Lord, who am I going to trust to take care of me in the future? A lot of times people think that the tithe is just a number, 10%. But if you study this, what you learn is that the tithe is not just the 10% of your income. The tithe is the first 10%. It's the first. In fact, just so you know, you don't think I'm making this up, go to Genesis chapter 4. The verses won't be on the screen. Genesis chapter 4, first book of the Bible. I'm going to wait a little bit so you get there. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. Okay, it's a great, great illustration of this. Remember, Cain and Abel, Cain and Abel, uh, Adam and Eve, their kids, all right, brothers, Cain and Abel, they both brought an offering to the Lord, okay? And the Bible says, Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, we'll get there in a minute, the Bible says that God accepted Abel's offering and he rejected Cain. Imagine if you're, if you're put in that position. You, you bring some of your offering to the Lord and uh, it gets rejected. How would you feel? Wow, that's like, okay. I mean, I've never seen a church do that, right? Like reject somebody's offering. I've never seen that. Cain brings his offering. Abel brings... He's offering. God says, I accept Abel's, I reject Cain. What's the deal? Well, you know, I've always thought, well, Cain brought fruit and vegetables. Abel brought a lamb, okay? And so I've always thought maybe God just doesn't like vegetables or fruit, you know? And he just, like, he accepted the one, he rejected the other. No, 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 no. Fruit and vegetables is no less than an offering than lamb, okay, in that day and age. Now watch what God says, Genesis 4, verse 3 and 4, okay? It's not on the screen, but I'm going to read it, okay? Here it is. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented, watch this, some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift. Watch this. The best portion of the firstborn lamb from his flock. What was the difference? Cain just gave him the leftovers. He gave them what was like, like he paid some bills and he's like, okay, God, this is what I have left over. Abel, he said, God, I'm going to bring you the first. I'm going to bring you the best, the firstborn. And in that world, if you're surrendering this lamb, you're not, it's not a guarantee that you're going to have another one. And so God, what Cain basically did is he took care of everything and then God when you give your tithe you should not give God your leftovers when you give your tithe what you're saying is God I am trusting you with my future because the future is unknown and so Lord here it is I am putting my life on the line and I believe that you can take care of my future better than I can 
What did Cain do? He's like, nope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna. to, this is what he did. So Cain, let's say that he was getting paid a certain amount of money. And so Cain said, you know what? I got I to gotta take care of some of the bills, all right? I got to take care of some of the, the payments that I have, the farmers, some of the people that worked on my field. I'm going to save a little bit, but I got I to gotta take care of the, you know, I'm going to pay the, the, the mortgage, right? That's a big one. I got to take care of the, the car payment. That's another one. I got to take care of um, Netflix, you know, because I got I to gotta pay Netflix. And I got to take care of um, Hulu, because I'm in mean, Hulu. We can't do it away without Hulu. And I, and I got to pay Spotify. And then I got to I gotta pay, you know, like we, we're going to the grocery store. We got to buy food for the kids. And I got to pay for that. And then, and then I got to buy shoes for the kids. And then he spent all of his money. And what was left over is like, okay, this is all what I have. The preacher's talking about money. So, Lord, here it is. And God looks at Cain and says, buddy, I love you, but I reject it. I don't need your money. I want your heart. I want your trust. Abel says, Lord, here's the first lamb. God, it's the best of what I have. I don't know if I'm going to get another one, but God, I'm going to surrender it to you. It was in the leftovers. It was the best. David, the guy who writes these verses that we're looking at today, David, he says this. He says, Psalm 37, 25, if you want to look it up later, Psalm 37, verse 35, David says, I was young, and now I am old, and I have never seen the righteous, people who keep my word, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, or their children begging for bread. You listen to this principle that we're talking about today, you obey God's word, and I promise you, you will be financially blessed not saying rich i'm saying you will be free the things of the world all all of a sudden they won't have a choke on you you will be financially blessed so when i get paid is a test who am i going to thank for the income that god brought to me who am i going to trust to take care of me in the future and last will god trust me with more god doesn't need your money He did not need Cain's offering. God wants your heart, and he wants you to be a good steward of what he's given you. So let's say that I save all of my pennies for a couple of years so that I can buy a cell phone or a car for one of my kids, all right? Whatever it's, help them buy a car. Let's just say that, all right? And I save for months. I save all of my pennies. Because I want them to get to a place where they can have their own car. It makes me happy. It's going to make them happy. And they get their car. They're able to buy their first car. What do I want them to do with that car? Man, I want them to keep it clean. I want them to be grateful. I want them to, you know, do the change the oil, keep, it, keep up with the maintenance. I want them to be what? Good stewards. I want them to be good managers. And it's the same way with God. You know, a lot of times... Let me kind of just mention this kind of a side note. Uh, when the Bible mentions tithing, it's never something that we give to God. Did you know that? It's something that we bring to Him. It's something that we return to Him. Because we don't give, we, we can only give what, what we own. So let's say that I want an Apple Watch, and you have a really cool you know, Apple Watch, and, I, and you let me borrow it for a week or for a month. 
and I borrow the thing, and man, I love Apple Watch. This is amazing. And then a week or a month later, however long you let me use it for, I, I say, I, I am giving you this Apple Watch. What would you say? Like, it's mine. You're not giving it to me. You're returning it to me. You're bringing it back. We don't own anything. God just wants us to be good managers. Let me kind of close the message with a sort of an illustration. I need three volunteers. I need three of you to come up here for a quick illustration. Can I get some volunteers? Would you come up here? Um, there you go. Fantastic. You guys, I need one more. If you guys could just stand right next to me. I'm going to kind of wrap things up. Thank you, John. Good deal. All right. So let's just say that, that I'm going away um, for uh, a few months, let's say I'm, I'm joining the Navy, and I'm going, uh, I'm going to be gone for, let's say, 18 months, okay, serving my country, and um, let's say that I come to all three of you guys and say, you know what, I need you while I'm away, I'm not going to be with my kids, and I need you to be present, and I, w- I want you to be there for my family, for little things, you know, okay, like birthdays, Christmas, whatever. I just need uh, a father figure in their lives while I'm gone. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, John, I'm going to give you $10,000, okay? And then I'm going to give you, Trenton, I'm going to give you another $10,000, and I'm going to give you another $10,000, okay? And, and, I'm, and here's what I'm saying. I am, I want you guys to keep 9000 and just spend 1000 on my family, all right? For 18 months, however long I'm gone, I just want you to just check in on them. I want you to maybe buy them ice cream. I want you to, uh, I, I don't know, maybe, you know, take them to the movies or just kind of just love on them every once in a while. Just check on them, all right? Now, you keep 9000 you spend 1000 that Is that a good deal? Would you guys want to be in that deal? Like, it's like, yep, sign me up. You're giving me 9000 You know, that's a good deal. I want, I, I like that right? So I go away, I serve my country faithfully, I come back, and, and I kind of embrace my kids and my wife, and I ask Leah, uh, she's doing kids point right now, uh, but I ask her, honey, how did the guys do while I was away? And she says, they, they did all right. And I'm like, all right? What do you mean all right, you know? And um, and she says, yeah, they, they did all right. And I was like, well, how did John do? And he's like, man, John, John did, um, you know, he, uh, we, the truth is that we never saw John. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean you never saw him? It's like, no, I mean, we had one thing, my family would get together, and I begged him to come, and I think he came, like, begrudgingly. And he, I mean, if he spent... $50 of a thousand. I mean, that being generous, because I don't think he's. And that's like, what do you mean? Are you kidding me? I gave him $9,000. All I ask him is to spend a thousand. And, uh, and I said, okay, how did um, my other buddy, how did he do? You know, and, he, and she's like, well, um, he did a little bit better. You know, um, he, he, you know, he checked on us every once in a while. Um, and. But, you know, it, it was still, you know, it was probably once every couple of months, and he did a couple of things for the kids. Uh, it wasn't as bad as John, but it was a little bit better, right? So what do you, like, so, 
what, like, yeah, maybe he spent $300 on the kids. You know, I don't know. Christmas, you know, camping, whatever. It's like, okay, all right, okay. You know, but I gave him like $9,000. Wow, I should have, you know, like it should have been like, you know, expected more. And then, and then I say, and then she says, I ask her, like, how did Trenton do? And she's like, man, Trenton, like he was checking in on us like every other week. Like, the guy was always on top of everything. Like, the kids got birthday gifts and, you know, took him camping and the movies. And, and, I, and she's like, if, if, if I have to be honest with you, I think of the three. Like, he probably spent twice as much as you asked him to. Who, if I was to go away again, who would I trust more in the future? If I had to go back another tour... Who am I going to say, hey, I want you to take care of my family, of the three? The one who kind of kept the most? The one who kind of sparingly every once in a while? Or the one who's like, man, I'm here for your family? We would say, yeah, definitely Trenton would be the one, you know. Thank you, guys. You guys give him a hand. Thank you so much. Um, so here's, here's the point that I'm trying to make. Do you know what Jesus calls Life point. You know what Jesus calls life point? We are his wife. Like the Bible says that we are the bride of Christ. Not, not life point, the building. I'm talking about life point, like us, the church. He calls us his bride. And the Bible says that Jesus is going to come back and we're going to be accountable. For the good and the bad. If you're a, if you're a believer, you're going to be accountable for the good and the bad in your life. And the question is, will we pass the test or not? Will he be able to trust us with more? I'm going to ask the, the band to get in place. Look at, the, look at this verse, last verse. It's, uh, this is uh, David speaking, 1 Chronicles 29, 15. We are here, watch this. We're here for only a moment. Visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow. We're only here for just a moment. Gone so soon without a trace. Listen, what you spend on yourself dies with you here on planet earth i'm not saying don't spend anything on you spend some stuff have fun with life okay don't don't man if somebody loves adventure and likes to have fun it's me you can sign me up but it's a matter of fact what i spend on myself stays here it dies with me what you bring to the house what you bring to the lord lives forever it is your legacy Every dime, every dollar that you invest in LifePoint is one more person coming to know Christ. We had baptisms not long ago. We had five times the number of baptisms that we've had in previous years. That's not me. That is you. Our kids are listening to God's word right now, this very moment. Do you not think that we're making a difference? Absolutely. Every time, every time that you invest a dollar in LifePoint, it, go, it goes towards some of it goes towards our kids. Some of it goes to families being reunited and strengthened 
in God's word. Sometimes we share stories on the screen, right? People whose lives have been changed. I filmed one uh, just last week. A person who had been in jail, who's done all kinds of, committed all kinds of crimes, and who's come to the Lord, and you're going to get to hear his story here in a few weeks. Totally radical change. Now, the, there's one issue that is always raised when I talk about this, and it's this. How much should I give? How much should I give? Uh, should, I, should it be the 10%? You know, should I calculate it before or after taxes? You know, because tithing, you know, I've heard tithing is just for the Old Testament. It's not for the New Testament. There's a lot, there's several things. Here's what I would challenge you to do. Search the scripture. Like, study it. Stu study this topic, okay? Look at God's word. And, you know, what I will say is you can never outgive God. But study this. As a church, I don't want us to be the kind of church that's legalistic. Where, like, you've got to give a certain percentage and this is, you know, if not, you're doomed. I don't ever want us to be the kind of church that says, you give nine, you'll get 900. There's, a, there's both sides, right, of the spectrum. I do believe that there are some people in our church that could give more than 10%, and it would not affect their lifestyle. They could give 12 15%. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't affect them at all. I also believe that there are people in our church, they're like the widow in the New Testament who gave her last penny. And here's what I want you to know. God sees your heart. Whatever you bring to the house, whatever you bring to the Lord, determines the condition of your heart. It, it, God doesn't really want your money. He wants your heart. And nothing says what my heart values most than how I spend my money and how I spend my time. I met Leah over 23 years ago, and since the day I met her, there's two things that have been consistent. I've always wanted to spend time with her. I've always wanted to give things to her. Valentine's, her birthday, Christmas, I love, I love to buy her things. Nothing, nothing says what your heart values more, right? than how you spend your money and how you spend, you look at your calendar. And so here's what I'll say. I've been a pastor for a while now, now and I've seen people that can worship really good and they raise their hands. Nothing against raising your hand, I do that, you know. But they, they get on their knees and they cry and they never give a dime to support the ministry. I've seen people that, man, they talk a good game. I mean, they get into Bible studies, and they pray, and I mean, they're eloquent, and they're good, and they're so stingy. And what is sad is that they're in, in a vicious cycle where the world has them, and they're choking because the more they have, the more they want, and it's never enough for the family, for kids, for retirement. And so they talk a good game, but they don't support the ministry. The Bible is clear. You reap what you sow. I'm not making that up. 
You reap what you sow. God's not fool. You can't fool. You can fool me. You can't fool God. What you bring to Him reveals the condition of your heart. So, with heads bowed and eyes closed, will you pass the test? Will you pass the test? Who are you going to thank for the income that God's brought to you? Who are you going to trust to take care of you in the future? Will God trust you with more in today? If you make $1,500 a month and you give him $100, and that's the, that's the amount, God can do more with the $1,400 than you can do with the $1,500. You cannot outgive God. What God wants is your first, just like today. You're giving him your, the first day of the week. I applaud you for that. Same way it is with your finances. Same way it is, it is with every area of your life. And so how many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? This is an area that I struggle with. Would you raise your hand? I see that hand. Anyone else? One hand, two hands in the room. Three, four, five. Anyone else? Pastor, would you? There's no shame in this. I can tell you I struggle with this. All right? I'll be the first. All fingers pointing my way. Anyone else? You say, Pastor, would you pray for me? This is an area that it's really hard for me to trust God with. Anyone else? Here's what I encourage you to do. Set an amount that stretches you. Whether it's a percentage or an amount, set an amount that you say, holy cow, I don't know how we're going to do it, but this is it. Lord, this is it. This is the amount. Set an amount. Create a system. Create a system. Every, every paycheck, every month, on the same day. You know, some of us, some of us, we honor our cell phone company more than we honor God. Because that bill comes out every month automatically. Every month. We don't question whether we're going to pay it or not. And we honor our cell phone company more than we honor God with our tithe and our offerings. So set an amount. Create a system. And you will see the blessing come. I'm not saying you're going to be rich. I'm not saying that. But you will see that there will be spiritual blessings in your life like never before. God, you've heard our prayer. You know our hearts. God, clear out all the debris, all the clutter in our lives. God, we want to be set free. We want your spirit to take full possession, God, of our lives. We want to give you our best. May we not be like Cain, giving you our leftovers. God, may we learn from Abel to put you first, to give you our best. God, our sense of security, we want it to rest on you, Lord, not on our possessions. And so, God, this is a hard message to preach. This is a hard message to practice. But you're training us, Lord, to depend on you and you alone to find fulfillment in your presence and not to be entangled by the things of this world. And so, God, I pray right now, if there's someone in this room or listening and they, they think that I'm praying this because we need more money for the church, God, I pray that they would give somewhere else, another ministry that's honoring you, God. I pray that they would choose another place until they learn the vision of this church, God. 
But I pray that this would not be taken as an, oh, the pastor, he's preaching on money, he wants to raise, or the church needs, to, needs more money. God, you know my heart. You know how hard it is to preach this message. It's the last thing that I want to be doing today, God. I've done my best. God, I ask that you would, that we would listen and obey. In Jesus' name, amen.